This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Wednesday, January 26th, wherever. And however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who is currently a little jealous of some workout gear, Jason Shepard. Egypt, stop calling me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Am I the only one that's getting like like eight calls a day from Egypt? You need to block those numbers, I Jason. do. Uh, but yes, those numbers. yes. Um, there is a lot to take in on this picture that BYU football tweeted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, look, you're in the weight room, which, you know, it's, that's amazing, but can we get, can we look at that shirt? That is, that is some cougar eyes Uh right there. And I need that shirt. It's not a want that is a need. So Billy, if you're, if you're watching, if you're listening, this guy right here, I need that shirt. It's not a want. It's a need. No, this this is not a want. This is a need. (laughs) You go to the gym like every day. <laughs> so so that shirt is awesome. Yeah. That was amazing. Also awesome in that picture, Chris Brooks just making it look easy. And then because Houston to him Haymouli, it is easy. Houston Haymouli laughing about it in the background. Yeah. There was a lot to take in in that photo. And, those, then, and then all of a sudden I noticed the shirt, and then, then that's all I was fixated on. Those two, by the way are living in the same apartment together. And I love the dynamic of Stanford and Cal joining forces at BYU. And they're ribbing each other about it too. You know, I'll tell you this much. One of them's got a very, very neat and tidy room. The other, not so much. And uh, it's a Cal versus Stanford scenario within the house. Yeah, it'd be like if somebody from BYU and somebody from Utah decided to go play (laughs) at, you know, I don't know. It, Boise State. Yeah, Boise State, Whatever. which is a, is a timely mention today. It is. Which we will get to in just a little bit. <laughs> Good stuff. Light work for the Cougars. Putting in actually a lot of work in the so-called offseason, Jason. There's no more offseason. Never has been. There's no more offseason. There's no offseason for us. And today's show lineup is proof of that. Are you in favor of a Power 5, Group of 5 separation in college football Now that BYU is included in the big boys club, at least they will be as of 2023, is it good for college football to have something like that? We'll discuss it with National College Football Insider and Analyst Stuart Mandel, who joins us live, plus the latest Deep Blue feature with Nate Hansen of BYU Basketball, who has overcome significant physical trials. You don't want to miss it. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. During a Twitter Q&A yesterday, Boise State Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey mentioned that the football series with BYU is coming to an end after this upcoming season. Dickey said the following in response to a question about the BYU series. He said, quote, one more game with them and then done, dot, 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 for now. They have been awesome to work with, challenging for them as an independent. Utah and Utah State also important to their base. I hope we can get a home and home in the future, but they need to figure out the Big 12, etc. And I completely understand the Cougars, by the way, with this information, the last game in this series 
barring any future home and homes, will be on November 5th at Albertson Stadium. Better take care of business up on the blue. Let's go. End it on a high note. Speaking of taking care of business, BYU basketball preparing for a massive road game against a really good Santa Clara team. Take it from Mark Pope. And this will be the toughest game we played. And we're going on the road playing a tough venue, a team that has won huge games, beat uh, Stanford earlier this season, beat TCU earlier this season. Uh, it's got everybody back healthy and they're really good. Yes, they are. In fact, this is projected to be just a three-point game, according to Ken Pomeroy, Jason. And Ken Palm only gives BYU a 55% chance to win the games at Santa Clara and at Pacific. He missed that yesterday. The first game against the Broncos broadcast live on BYU Radio and ESPNU. You can watch it there 11 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Take a nap. Late night basketball coming up tomorrow night. By the way, that percentage for both, that seemed low to me. It's it because seems, Santa Clara is a really good they, team. They are a really good team. They're a top 30 team from the field and from three shooting. So so maybe we no, should feel like I, that I, number is accurate? I still think it's a little low. <laughs> Speaking of basketball, women's hoops is a three seed in the latest ESPN Bracketology. Bracketologist Charlie Cream said, quote, BYU, the lone contender outside of the Power Five conferences in the Big East, should also make the top 16. By the way, Cream will join the show tomorrow. Yeah, I'm interested to hear why Charlie is so high on a mid-major like BYU. Uh, he's always kind of been favorable towards the BYU women's basketball team, and he's been spot on with them, placing him in his tournament the past few years. Uh, I'm gathering that he was very impressed with what they did against Arizona last year in a game they eventually lost in right. the tournament. But uh, that has continued over because he he's all in. BYU's number 16, according to the media. He's got him as a three seed, which would be like a top 12 team right now. Look, I think they 100% have earned every bit of that. The They're win at that Utah. Good. Their win at Utah, who was a top 20 net team, is what is driving BYU up the net rankings. They're number 13 in the net as well. BYU men's golf finishes fourth in the Arizona Intercollegiate with a score of 12 under par. They played really well yesterday, did the Cougars. Carson Lundell, the second top 10 finish of the season. And TJ Hawes finished with six points, six assists, and two steals in a Lakeland Magic loss to the Windy City Bulls in the G League. All rise and shout, it's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Welcome to the Big Boys Club, BYU football. We all know it. Headed to the Power Five and the Big 12. The full implementation will happen in 2023. However, the NCAA and their recent meetings in Indianapolis have us all wondering, will there be some significant deregulation? Like, specifically, will the Power Five schools separate from the group of five schools and form an entirely separate division of college football? Understandably, BYU fans, when the Cougars were not in a Power Five and on the outside looking in, obviously didn't want anything to do with that. But now, Jason, that BYU has moved into a separate category and are in that top tier... Should BYU go full Power 5 mentality and essentially turn their back on a group of five scenario if those divisions happen? Here's how I look at this, and you said it perfectly. When BYU was on the outside looking in, it was, well, of course not. Let's not pretend 
that things haven't changed dramatically. The only reason that BYU fans were against it was because BYU at the time would not have been involved as a G5. Now that BYU is going to be a P5 in 2023, I would be shocked if everybody didn't change their opinion. What does it matter now? You're in the club. You're part of it now. So what is it? who cares what happens to the rest of it? You're in now. You no longer have to worry about the, well, we, but we're not in it yet. Well, BYU's in it now. So it would be, you know, you, you look at it as, let's be transparent. Now that BYU's in and you're, you're firmly in the situation, if it splits, you're like, okay, it's fine. Because it doesn't, because the negative side of things no longer would affect you. You never want to, okay, well, let's take a look at maybe some of the positives. You want to play 11 Power 5 or 12 Power 5 schools every year. That's what you want for BYU football. But I don't think that you have – look, I'm looking at this completely – I, first of all, don't think there's going to be a completely separate governing body for P5s and a, go, and a completely separate governing body for G5s and everything else. I, I don't think we're going to get to that. I think what's ultimately going to happen is – and we're already seeing this now. I think there will be an even further divide where it's the people making decisions will all come out of the P5. More of the money will be funneled that direction. I think that's where it's going. I'm not looking at it as you never play a G5. You never I I don't that's not how I'm looking at it. I'm just saying if they were to ever split and be separate where all P5s have their own rules and that's the group that they worry about themselves and themselves only, fine. BYU's in it, so I don't, I don't care beyond that. Okay, and well, we've talked about this before on the show and offline. What about the idea that Power 5 schools would then entirely shut out Group of 5 conferences from the New Year's Six or the college football playoff? Are you in favor of something like that? Because we just saw the first group of five yep. team in history, Cincinnati, which will go to the Power Five with BYU in a few years, make a run to the college football playoff. And dang it, I loved it. I loved that there was an underdog story happening all year, and we saw something that so many, including Jerem Jordan, said, it's never going to happen. The group of five is never going to get into the college football playoff. Cincinnati did it. They had to go undefeated in the regular season and all of last year to make it happen two years in a row, but they did it, Jason. So if we see this, this divide, how do you feel about the idea that a group of five team like Boise State or a top-tier G5 team would never have the opportunity to be in a New Year's Six or a college football Look, playoff again? Look, I, I, would, I would be in favor of that continuing, having the same access. Look, I, I'm not – the only thing I'm saying is if it were to change – I'm not going to be up in arms about it because BYU would be in it. It wouldn't affect the Cougars. So, but I have no problem with, and I think it, I, to your point, I like the idea of teams, you know, having that. It's the same reason that so many people like men's basketball in the NCAA tournament. It's because you have teams that are perceived as underdogs because they come from a smaller conference or whatever, and People then they make love a, it. They, they love it. People, so fans I don't know why it. you would want to keep that aspect out of it. But if if that's the way it goes, it doesn't affect BYU, so I don't care. 
Well, maybe BYU is flexing their Power 5 muscles. I don't think it's so much that, more than it is just necessity of scheduling matters, and they don't have very many opportunities now that they're going to be playing probably nine conference games every year in the Big 12, but they're saying goodbye to Boise State, as we talked about. So this could be the last game that BYU plays with Boise, maybe ever, or at least for a very long time in 2022. Does this give us a window into how BYU is thinking for other series, like Utah State, Utah? How many more group of five road games will BYU play? Are the Cougars going to settle into a, nah, if we're playing a group of five, we expect them to come to Provo so that BYU can have at least seven home games or maybe six home games in a neutral side game. They're only playing five road games in the regular season. Uh, Here's where I am totally okay with BYU kind of flexing their power five, and that is, don't play any more road games in the Sun Belt. <laughs> you, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't, you don't, you don't, have, you don't to have to play road games in the Sun Belt Conference anymore because you're not an independent. You have enough games guaranteed from your Power Five Conference. But then BYU didn't have to do that before. They chose to do that. Well, I mean, in 2020, they were pretty desperate. Well, okay, that's that season, yes. But I'm talking about going to, you know, Georgia Southern and, you know, places like that. Sure. Uh, They've got a a scheduled road game at Troy in the upcoming seasons. They don't have to do that. Right. Yes. You don't have to do that. So I'm okay with BYU not doing that and playing more home games than they do road games. Yeah, look, I I don't think it's you never schedule a G5. You you know, you you want – you never want to see anybody get into the college football play from a G5. I'm not in favor of that. But if that's the way it goes, BYU's in. That's all I care about. Our question of the day, now that BYU is in – the Big 12, and we'll make that full move in 2023. Are you in favor of a P5, G5 separation or further separation? Because already it feels kind of like they are. Let's hear from you, BYUSN and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Jeremiah Hale answers on Twitter, with great power comes great responsibility. What is best for college football is parity and opportunity. BYU knows it better than most. He continues, built on meritocracy, not pedigree. Just because BYU made it into the club doesn't mean the club rules are good. Hashtag BYUSN. And here's a guy that hasn't forgotten where BYU has battled and waved the flag and recognize us. And now they've been recognized. This is a guy that doesn't want to jinx it until 2023. That's what this is. (laughs) That's what this whole thing is about. Remembering where you have come from. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. No jinxes. All right, coming up, what does Sean Payton leaving New Orleans mean for the future of Taysom Hill? It's a great question. And should BYU fully embrace the P5 snobbish turn? That's what we're calling it. It's in the T's, so yeah. apparently. We'll ask Stuart Mandel next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU basketball with Mark Pope is on demand. You can watch as Greg and Coach look back at two home wins last week 
and then look ahead to a couple of road games this week in California. It's available right now on demand on the BYU TV app. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. Hey, have you picked up that new workout shirt yet from BYU football and Billy uh, Nixon? I have, I have not yet. Okay. I'm still waiting. Jason's still waiting for the need. It's not a want. <laughs> I need that shirt. Joining us now on BYU Sports Nation Live is editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football and co-host of the Audible podcast, Stuart Mandel, friend of the program. Stuart, great to see you. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Hey, what a wild turn of events uh, for BYU in the last 18 months, getting to the Power Five. And now here we are talking about, well, now that BYU's in the club, would would BYU fans be okay with like this power five group of five separation, or at least something that's even more significant dividing those two divisions is something like that. Even good for college football, Stuart, if, if, if you think about power five and group of five teams separating even further, I don't think it's good for college football, the way it's, it's currently structured. Um, I also, I don't know what that would accomplish exactly. Um, when people talk about a power five breakaway, uh, I mean, certainly you couldn't do that in basketball. You would ruin March Madness uh, if you did that. Yeah. So uh, in football, you know, we're coming off a season in which a group of five team made the playoff for the first time. Um, obviously, the the latest wave of, of realignment and the trickle down it had did, you know, drastically affect some of these conferences, most notably Conference USA. And, and clearly they, you know, those schools have a very different budget situation than um, the power five, but I don't know that the, like the group of five is keeping the power five conferences from doing anything. Um, you know, the, the, what happened at the NCAA convention this past week in terms of it's going to separate the divisions a little bit more like division one from division two, that to me was more important uh, because <laughs> truly there, that there's nothing in common there. And there's no reason a, a division three school should have a say in how Ohio State or, or BYU, for that matter, um, <laughs> operates their athletic department. While the clear separation between P5 and G5, you know, like you said, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It certainly feels like, and we're already seeing this now, where the P5 conferences still make most of the decisions uh, because of the financial benefits that, you know, happen because of that. Any reason to think that's not going to get even stronger moving forward? It's all about, you know, right now they're so focused on college football playoff and college football playoff expansion. And, and by all indications, they're still, they're still intending to include the group of five in that. And in fact, the proposal that was put forth in June um, even allowed for the possibility of two group of five champions, re, you know, reaching uh, a 12 team playoff. So um now, are they going to, you know, I think other parts of college sports, in particular, the transfer portal is going to continue to widen that. What we're seeing ever since they went to, um, you know, last summer when it became for the first time uh, permissible for uh, guys to transfer and play right away across the board, you know, we are seeing what has already been happening in basketball for a while, where the top, it's becoming a farm system, you know, the top group of five players. In fact, this year we've noticed some freshmen, some group of five freshmen who had a breakout season, and they immediately enter the portal because now is their chance to um, be recruited uh, by the major schools. I mean, that's that to me is going to have a, a more detrimental effect on the group of five than any sort of um, NCA structure or legislation. Speaking of the transfer portal, 
it obviously is just getting bigger and bigger, and it, it has been a game changer in collegiate athletics. How how much has or how big has this gotten compared to what they thought it was going to be? Because even though they they knew it was going to change things, I don't re- think they realized how big of a deal this was going to be. Yeah, and, and and you know, again, people keep using just referring to the transfer portal. It's not the transfer portal that has cr- that made this so crazy. It's the immediate eligibility. Yeah, because we had the transfer portal. I think going back to 2018. Uh, yes, a lot of guys entered the transfer portal, maybe guys that probably shouldn't have and, and didn't find another destination, but transfers have always been part of college football. The difference is how in the span of about five years or so, we went from a very coach-driven model where they could literally block guys from transferring to you know, X number of schools to now the players have complete control. The players have complete freedom to leave when they want, play where they want. And I think that is obviously the coaches don't like it. It's caused a lot of, um, like you said, it's it's a major shift to the sport where now uh, coaches are having to decide, hey, I get 25 scholarships or now it's you know up to 32. Um, how many do I want to use on high school players? How many do, do I want to use on transfers? It's kind of like the NFL, right, where a franchise has to decide, um, are we going to build through the draft or are we going to build through free agents? Are we trying to win right now or are we trying to – build for the future. And it's a, it's a fundamental shift. Uh, there's no question, a fundamental shift to, um, to college football, but it's one, I think people are just going to have to get used to. because I don't think we're going back. Um, it, uh, clearly all of the, um, all of the, the, the fundamental changes to college sports over the last five years have been about loosening restrictions. And it's no secret why that this all the way up to the Supreme court, the NCAA has been told you can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, what you've been doing is illegal actually. So there's no, there's no scenario. I mean, I know a lot of fans don't like the transfer portal, think it should be, um, think it's gone too far. I don't think there's any scenario where you can now put the uh, genie back in the bottle. Uh, Cause if you do that, that's going to be the next lawsuit. Uh, the NCAA is trying to unfairly restrict athletes from moving around. Stuart Mandel, editor of in chief of the athletic college football is with us on BYU sports nation. And, I'm glad you brought that up because I was just going to ask you, based on this free agency scenario that we're in, essentially, and I just saw your article, outstanding stuff, by the way, um, is there any type of regulation that the NCAA can legally implement here to try and slow things down? I think the only the, uh, of the various um, suggestions that have been made, the, the most realistic to me would be basically – Kind of like how in recruiting there are there are dead periods and quiet periods and open periods. Doing something like that with the portal, where it's not necessarily open for business year round. You know, there'd be certain months of the year or, or several weeks of the year where guys can enter their name and be contacted freely, and then other parts of the year uh, where they cannot. Um, now, that's that would be how it was written on paper. How it might actually work is it wouldn't matter uh, because. <laughs> you know, tampering, there's no way to control the tampering. And so if you say, okay, uh, coaches can't call possible transfers in the month of October, um, they're just going to call their high school coach. They're going to call their parents. Uh, there's, there's ways to get around that. So, um, that, that would be the, but that would be the most realistic scenario. Also, I I just try to remind people, this is brand new. Um, it was literally July 1st, I believe, or maybe a little bit before that, that the one-time transfer exception, uh, got written into law. 
And it's going to take a while to normalize itself. And I think there's still a novelty, novelty to it right now. A lot of guys are rushing to do it. And some of them are going to, it's going to be great. They're going to get exactly what they want out of it. Some of them are going to find out there's not a great destination waiting. And that'll have a ripple effect. And it might lead to um, people being a little bit more cautious, yeah. uh, you know, in the years to come. Stuart, what other changes can we expect over the next couple of months after last last week's meetings in Indianapolis? Uh, I wouldn't expect anything dramatic that quickly. Um, this was the first stage in, in what could play out over, I guess, a series, I don't know, maybe a couple of years of figuring out, okay, Division One, you are now allowed to govern yourself. How does that look? What does that look like? Um, who's in charge? What, what, what would that... Uh, you know, if you're going to do a division one board of directors, what would that look like? Um, what issues are you allowed to take on? Um, so probably a lot of behind the scenes stuff at first, but I do think that everybody agrees kind of the stuff we've talked about. There's got to be the NIL will be at the top of the agenda. Transfer portal will be top of the agenda. Recruiting, uh, should they um, unwind the early signing period? Uh, because of the effect it's having on the coaching carousel and, and guys getting fired um, earlier than ever. And a lot of the transfer portal, frankly, activity we're seeing is a direct result of coaches getting fired or, or coaches taking over in late November, early December. And, uh, you know, players that are caught up in that um, entering the portal. So um, there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed and, um but I don't know that that's going to happen in the next couple of months. It might be in the next couple of years. We briefly talked about a 12-team college football playoff, some expansion there. It's on top of mind of basically every college football fan. To me, it feels like a matter of if, but not when. But the big question is when. When do you yeah. think that the college football playoff will expand to the oft-talked-about 12 teams? I think right now uh, – 2026, um, the ACC for one is kind of putting its flag in the ground and saying, absolutely not. We don't think it's the right, right time to expand earlier than that. 2026 is when the contract comes up. So we're going to have some sort of change then. There have been, there has been some thought that if they, um, if everybody would just hurry up and concede that 2024 is not going to, that the, they're not going to be able to blow up the current contract and they have to start thinking about the next one you're going to end up agreeing to the exact same, almost the exact same thing that they're already talking about now, because the majority of the conferences want that 12 team playoff. So if you can get that agreed to, if you can get every, you know, most parties on board with that format, then could you work backwards and say, well, as long as we're going to be doing this in a few years, why don't we start it earlier? Um, but we're a long ways from that. Uh, they're still going to have another set of meetings here. I think in March, one more attempt to see if they can get everybody together, but it, uh, from all indications, and I've talked to most of the commissioners about it, they're very frustrated. It's a stalemate. And so uh, what they thought last June would be fairly easy um, to uh, reach an agreement on and implement early, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. We have a lot of fun looking ahead, trying to forecast what BYU or what we think BYU can do when they join the Big 12 in 2023. What do you believe are realistic expectations for BYU joining that league in terms of how they fit and kind of where they fit when they, when they join? 
the, it's realistic for BYU to expect to compete for conference championships. Um, that's, you know, Utah moved up from the mountain West and, and, and won the PAC 12 last year. TCU won the big 12 within a few years. Now it may not be immediate. Uh, the lesson from those uh, teams, those, when they moved up um, and I know it's not exactly the same, they were moving up from group of five conferences, but uh, at first it took them a little while to build up the depth uh, to, you know, obviously maybe some adjustments and what type of athletes they recruited to, to reach that level. It didn't happen immediately. Um, but it can happen. And BYU has such rich tradition, uh, to me, they've, they've always been during this period of independence, a, a de facto power five program, because they have the facilities and the resources that in the fan support that those, that those schools do. So, um, there is no ceiling in my opinion. It's just a matter of how quickly they can adapt. Stuart, as you assess BYU just from a national perspective, and I know you specify in college football, not college basketball, but you're obviously well-versed in basically everything. How how prominent is the BYU name in the biggest of NCAA circles right now? Because we kind of have our perch and our our thoughts here, but you're, you run in some very different circles with some high-level people. So how is BYU overall perceived as an athletic department, football, and basketball? Well, you're giving me way too much credit to think I'm up on college basketball. I am not. Um, I, I, I will at some point before March Madness. But BYU is a strong brand. Um, always have been. Uh, you know, a lot of, I mean, I think what, what's been important during this period where they've been an independent is they, they play these games against Pac-12 schools, even SEC schools, uh, you know, and they win them. They win a lot of them. And uh, nobody in the Pac-12 is thumbing their nose at BYU right now with the success they've had against that conference. So you know, I think it's a strong brand. And when you look at the schools that are coming into the big 12, BYU has the most established brand. Cincinnati is the hot brand, obviously, because of, of reaching the playoff this past year. But I don't think they're in a similar situation to, for instance, Houston, which is still, you know, trying to establish itself, has had some success, but is still trying to establish itself. Even UCF with the 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 back-to-back great seasons they had, to me, is still kind of seen as a new, a newish brand. Everybody knows BYU's history and tradition and, and Heisman winner and, and all those things. So to me, like they're finally, when they join the Big 12, like they're finally going to be where they were supposed to be all mm-hmm. along uh, in terms of being in that in that club, as you referred to it earlier. <laughs> I would like to commend you on a couple of things. One, for your ability to double down on the fact that BYU were the Pac-12 champs de facto because that was a fantastic rhetoric yeah. And <laughs> a lot of mileage out of that one, Stuart. We really did. We hung a banner here for crying out loud, much to the ire of Utah fans. I just wish they'd won the bowl game. It took a little uh, bit of the luster off the I know. Yes, bowl. it did. But the Pac-12 champs lost to UAB in a bowl game. But go ahead. <laughs> and secondly, on the growth of the athletic, it's been fun to watch that. Uh, congratulations on all the success there. Thank you very much. It's been an exciting, uh, you know, ever since the announcement about the New York Times, it's been very very exciting few weeks for The Athletic. Oh, fantastic stuff. If you want to find it, athletic.com. We go there on a daily basis. You can listen to Stuart Mandel on the Audible podcast as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You got it. Stuart Mandel. That dude is informed. He is in. He's like, great. I mentioned he, he is in the highest of media circles in college football. Runs around with Bruce Feldman. Um, they have they have a lot of fun. It's just it's a great listen. Yeah, they're, they're super informed. There are certain names in certain sports that when they say something, it matters. It 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 takes on a, a different level uh, of truth, and because you know it's coming from somewhere. 
It's not just being thrown out there that there's something behind that. And Stuart Mandel is one of those guys. I think you need to take the quote, which he just offered to us, of BYU is finally where they always should have been and hang that over your desk. Because you were the guy (laughs) that never gave up hope, Jason, of BYU to the Big 12. You were the one tooting the horn, even in the darkest of days. And Stuart Mandel Mm -hmm. has just validated everything that you were behind for the last decade. That quote, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a, uh, I'm gonna put a digital (laughs) copy of that quote in my, uh, in my book of remembrance. Make a T-shirt. Going there. Make a T-shirt. You want the workout T-shirt? You just make your own workout T-shirt and put that quote on it. Done. It will. It's happening. It will happen. All right, coming up, a story of perseverance in today's deep blue. And based on something that BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope said, are ducks frightening? (laughs) This is wild. And this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. Eighth-ranked BYU men's volleyball hosting Mount Olive on Thursday night. Watch the match at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Live from Studio B, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. As a reminder, you can always follow us for more information on the major social media platforms. You know the drill. Twitter, YouTube. Facebook. Is it still called Facebook, Jason? When is it turning into Meta? I, I don't know. Is that what it's going to? Meta, right? Y- yes. I, I believe so. Or is it Facebook powered by Meta? Because I've I, seen I that know. too. I don't know. I thought that was already supposed to happen. <sighs> Just yeah, Snap Face. When is Snap Face coming out? <laughs> <laughs> While you ponder that brain buster, let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around. Presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. This news broke yesterday. Breaking news in the NFL. Sean Payton stepping away as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What does Sean Payton leaving New Orleans mean for Taysom Hill? Yeah, you have to wonder because I thought that Taysom Hill's ticket to becoming a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL started and ended with Sean Payton in New Orleans. Now, certainly he can go basically anywhere he wants and be a gadget player, be the Swiss Army knife in the NFL. I love the idea of Taysom going to the LA Rams and working with Sean McVay or maybe Andy Reid. You presented yesterday in the Kansas City Chiefs. Taysom Hill has a spot there. Let's make that happen. But if he wants to be a starting quarterback, Gosh, I I don't know if there are many landing spots for Taysom outside of New Orleans because Sean Payton had put so much trust into him, and he knows that offense. Can he go somewhere, learn a new offense, and be a quarterback? I'm with you. It felt like Taysom's trajectory as a quarterback was in New Orleans. And that, look, you had other teams. How many times did we hear other teams say, you know, we've got to find our Taysom Hill? So I, this is not, this has nothing to do with Taysom Hill. It's going to be out of the NFL because Sean Payton. No, th- there will be a spot, whether it's in New Orleans or not, for Taysom Hill because of what he brings to an offense. Because he is so, uh, you know, he brings so many different things to the table. So he's going he's gonna to continue his career. As a quarterback, it does feel like that, that, that probably left with Sean Payton. And that's unfortunate for him because I know that was his dream. I would think Jameis Winston, when he returns from injury, is going to be the guy in New Orleans. At least ownership, they, they kind of dubbed him the guy, and Taysom was the backup and still doing effective things. But 
I don't know. I was trying to think hard of a landing spot where Taysom Hill could go and be a quarterback. Maybe the New York Giants. Maybe the Denver Broncos. He's 7-2 and two as a starter, Jason. Is there some place for Taysom Hill to go and be a starting quarterback? Yeah, that, that remains to be seen. I think the bigger question is whenever Sean Payton goes somewhere else, and he said he has no plans for next season, but plans can change and they can change quickly. Wherever he goes, does Taysom Hill follow? It makes a whole lot of sense. Jason, Boise State, as we reported earlier, says the BYU series is done after this year. Are you sad to see it go and all of those trips up to the Boise Blue? Uh, I'm not sad to see it go. I mean, it was a cool rivalry, but but they've won more against BYU than we have. So, you know, they 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 have the the winning percentage against the Cougars. No, I mean, it was cool to have, but if if it's a byproduct of going to the Big 12 and being a P5 conference, then sayonara. Yeah, I I kind of have mixed emotions about it because the series has created some unforgettable moments. I mean, think about 2015 when Tanner Mangum throws his second miracle and the interception by Kainakua. And then Tyler Algier and Zach Wilson going nuts for yep. their first ever win on the blue. And Baylor Romney, third string quarterback, starting against an unbeaten and top 15 Boise State team in Provo. No, they've been great. They've been great matchups. Like BYU's had like these big wins, remarkable wins against Boise State, and it's a respected program. I'll probably get some backlash on this, but I wouldn't be opposed in the future, let's say six or seven years down the road, if Boise State is still where they are and a respected program, that that's the A-level game that BYU schedules. Look, who knows? Maybe in five to ten years, that series is going to ramp back up because they're both going to be in the no, Big 12. Play, play Boise State, then play a mid-tier G5 and then an FCS. I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Boise State on the schedule seven or eight years down the road. I don't have that you know, essentially power five Yeah, opponent. I don't have a problem playing them They're occasionally. Series, you know, we'll, we'll see. But okay. ultimately, no, I'm not sad to see it go because it's it means you're in the Big 12 and it necessitated the move. All right, last night on the uh, Coaches Show, head coach Mark Pope explained that ducks are actually a terrifying animal. Here's Coach explaining. This is real right now, okay? Have you guys ever seen a duck in person? Because when you see them on TV or see them in a cartoons, they look like they're these sweet little animals that walk around, okay? They're terrifying, aren't they? <laughs> I'm not sure what type of interactions that Coach Pope has had with ducks. Um, it must be different from mine. So the question is, are ducks uh, a scary animal? Are they a P5 level scary animal? You know, I'm, I am trying really hard to see eye to eye with coach pope on this one and i agree with most everything he says yes far be it from us to disagree with anything from coach pope i've just never had a bad experience with the duck so I, I i do not view ducks as scary animals and frankly the way that byu put the beat down on the oregon ducks this year and the way i think byu football is going to show up in austin stadium against oregon next year no they don't, they don't scare me, Jason. Yeah, the, I, I've not been scared of a duck. <laughs> so, yeah, that one, that one, I, that one I don't. Listen to that sentence. I have not been scared of a duck. <laughs> You're so brave. Yes. <laughs> all right, coming up, a rising shout-out to an all-time great. And this week's Deep Blue focuses on perseverance and recovery. Nate Hansen. 
an example of both. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 16th ranked women's hoops returning home to host Santa Clara on Thursday night. Watch the game at 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. This week's deep blue feature, a story of perseverance and recovering from significant health challenges. This is Deep Blue featuring Nate Hansen of BYU Basketball, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. Uh, so when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I did a workout and it almost killed me. So, yeah. <laughs> Either had a scar or a scab or he had uh, teeth that were missing. He's always fidgeting, he's always moving, he's always got to be doing something. I remember Nate climbing on my parents' roof, a two-story roof, up a tree, and he fell, fell out of the tree, landed on the ground, didn't really seem to get too hurt. Um, Nate had a, a stick go through his toe, he had to go to the emergency room, get it out. He had to get stitches in his head for, you know, climbing up a shelf, and he pulled it off. But he never broke a bone, and I don't remember him ever missing a basketball game until Nate got sick with rhabdo. From as, as young as I can remember, I was introduced to the game. I just, I loved sports in general. And so I played basketball, football, soccer. And eventually, like, I kind of, I just got to the point where, like, basketball just kind of consumed my life. Like, I just loved it more than, than the other sports. There came a point where it was like, I'm not the tallest. I wasn't the strongest, the fastest anymore. And my eyes were kind of open to this world. And so I, I decided I needed to start doing something to like find an edge, to become competitive in this other world that I know I was stepping into, so. On March 17th, 2017 was a Thursday afternoon. High school season had just ended. And then Nate had decided I want to work out with a personal trainer. I want to do some things to get myself prepared for the AAU season. He had been invited to go do a weight workout with some ex-college players and his trainer. So I show up to this workout, it's at Pleasant Grove High School. I'm super excited. I felt like this was a time where I wanted to get better. You know, walking into that kind of situation, you want to kind of prove that you can hang with these guys, right? Like, that you're good, you're up there, you're with them, so. Nate came home afterwards and was pretty sore, but it wasn't unusual. He'd, he'd pushed himself pretty hard in the past. Uh, and the next morning, Nate woke up and he said, Mom, I'm having a hard time brushing my teeth. My arms hurt so bad. We get into Saturday, I think it was, and he was still, his muscles were hurting so bad, he couldn't even get his arms up to his mouth at this point to eat. I had never experienced this before, so I'm like sitting here just like, do I like say something to my mom? Like, should, should I, you know, tell her that I'm not feeling good? You know, but you also don't wanna like seem like you're like a wimp, like you just worked out and now you're, <laughs> you gotta take a whole week off, like, you know? <laughs> He was really in a condition where he, he couldn't do much, and uh, maybe not being the in, real intuitive parents that we are, we, we're kind of laughing at him, saying, oh my gosh, Nate, you're, you're just, this workout just really wiped you out, whatnot. But fortunately, Jen was, was smart enough to look up how to recover from a hard workout. Well, one of those articles that she had read happened to mention this this condition called rhabdomyolysis. Rhabdomyolysis is a disease of severe muscle breakdown. And it's usually in response to a stress to the muscle of some type. When we exercise, our muscles break down a little bit 
and then we, um, we rest and our muscles heal. What happens to rhabdomyolysis is that breakdown occurs more significantly, as well as in severe cases, a change in the color of the urine, the urine becomes very dark, and that's related to a product that the muscles break down, which is called myoglobin. So I, I'm kind of like, all right, that hasn't happened yet, so I'm fine. So I, I, go, I go down to bed literally 20 minutes later, and I'm like peeing blood, so it's, it's super nasty. So I, I come running up the stairs, I make it halfway up the stairs, and I just start throwing up like 10 times, just can't, can't keep anything in. I'm throwing up, and so my dad, he's like, all right, let's get in the car. So we run to the hospital, we run to the ER, I'm throwing up the whole way. I feel, I just feel horrible. Nate came into the emergency room initially with, with uh, what looked like blood in the urine or darker urine and the severe muscle pain and swelling of his arms. They ran the test for rhabdomyolysis, which showed that he was about 20 times the normal amount. And he was in the hospital for three days here in Utah County. His levels for the, for the CK continued to increase, increase despite what we were doing for him. And I was on the phone with specialists of primary children's, including a genetic specialist who's the one generally handles this because it's often related to not being able to produce glucose in the right way. And that can be a genetic thing. And he suggested that we have him up there so that they could be closer to him. So we did transfer him to primary children's for 24 hours. But by the time he got up there, after another 24 hours, his levels were falling. And so he was able to be discharged the next day. They send me home. Uh, I'm still, I just feel horrible. I can't lift my arms. and. It was, it's probably a month before I get to the point where I can like do normal like stuff with my arms again. And then it probably took a year before I got to the point where I felt like back to normal, where I could lift weights. But I remember doing physical therapy and the physical therapy was so funny because the, the guy comes in, he's like, all right, we're gonna put you on some, some weightlifting like program. I'm like, all right, whatever. And he hands me like two pound dumbbells. And I'm like sitting there, I'm, I'm kind of just laughing because I'm like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. He's handing me two pound dumbbells and I'm trying to lift them and I just physically, I cannot lift them. Like, I'm, I'm struggling to lift two pound dumbbells and it was, it was just super humbling because you, know, you get to that point where you feel super fit and then literally within four days, you can't lift two pound dumbbells. Uh, that, was, that was pretty rough, so. I think through this experience, we all learned as a family and Nate as an individual, the idea of patience it's gonna take time uh, to work through things and you aren't going to get everything that you want immediately. You know, being patient, taking it day by day um, and putting in work consistently. You know, if you do those things, I've found, you know, after that experience with Rabdo that good things happen. Just being patient, keep working and, you know, finding ways to make yourself better is, is all you can do. Great example of perseverance and uh, just working your way through. This smile on his face, yep. good attitude. Nate Hansen, love to see it. Yeah, you never know when any kind of trial is going to come into your life, and it's how you handle that. And uh, Nate was a great example of how to handle something like that. Another great addition to the Deep Blue series. If you want to see all of them, you can find those on YouTube.com under the BYU TV Sports moniker. All right, coming up, are you ready to turn your backs on the G5? And our daily BYU basketball resume update. Oh, and... facing for a seven seed? Maybe, maybe a surprise. What? In the next segment? Oh, yes. Jason, you're so spoiled. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. 
BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or you could download the podcast. All you need to do is Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. While you're there, subscribe, rate, and review. Let's roll it out. On a daily basis, we're reviewing the metrics and numbers in the daily BYU basketball resume update. We'll start with the all-important net rankings. BYU is still a top 25 team there. That's the same as yesterday. And it means still that every team that plays against BYU, whether they're hosting BYU or playing in the Marriott Center, that's a quad one game. Love it. You're welcome, America. 24 in the Ken Palm and Jason, seven seed on Lunardi's seed line, but because of matchups and BYU only being able to play on Thursdays and Saturdays, can't play on Sunday, obviously, they're an eight seed in bracketology. I love it. I'll take it. And look, and we'll see with a couple other opportunities. Look, apparently winning both games this week will be a major deal if you ask some people. It's wild. Only 55, what was it, 55% that they sweep these two games? Yes. That just seems so low to me. Well, it's probably based on what BYU has statistically done in the history of their tenure in the West Coast Conference, which is you you slip up in one of these. By the games. way, they have not been to Santa Clara since 2018. That's crazy. The last time they were there, it was not a fun memory. I know. <laughs> also probably playing into why Ken Pomeroy is projecting that. Team rankings has BYU the 77% chance of making the tournament. I think that's higher. It, look, BYU to not make the tournament would have to do something really bad. Yeah. Agreed on that. Our question of the day. Now that BYU football and all sports are moving into the Big 12, are you in favor of a football-specific Power 5 group of five separation? Whatever that might mean. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, John Hatch on Instagram, says, there will always be advantages for the Alabamas versus the Chattanooga states of the world, but there is something magical about March Madness where Cinderella can dream about the impossible. Let's make that happen in NCAA football as well. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, Lloyd Christmas, there is. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, official credit union of BYU Athletics. Goes to Billy Nixon. Jason got his shirt. I got the shirt. You got the shirt. Look, you pled for it and, and you Billy, got it. Billy came in, he gave it to me. Billy is the man. He said all I had was a 3X. Billy, I'm still going to wear it. It's 3X. I'm going <laughs> to swim in it. I'm still wearing it. Thank you so much. The need has been fulfilled. Our thanks to Stuart Mandel. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Micah Matsuzaki. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation.